Hello and welcome to another episode of Speed Mentorship. My name is Matt Mackler, your host. Well guys, I'm really excited for today's episode. Um, the guest is none other than Patrick McAleer, uh, who is my grandpa. He is also the second generation CEO and owner of Service Spring Corporation. And him and my grandma, who was the CFO, both had an incredible impact on our company, on the organization. And in this episode, we're gonna hear all kinds of different stories and just some of the challenges and stuff that uh, he faced uh, along with uh, some of his wisdom and leadership insights uh, to make it through some of those things. Uh, so without further ado, here is uh, my grandpa. We got a really special guest here, Patrick McAleer, my grandpa. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Well, for the first question today is going to be about your background. If you could just tell us a little bit about your background, some of the stuff of what you've done, that would be, that'd be great. Okay. Um, I won't start at birth, but rather, uh, let's say high school and afterwards. Yeah. Uh, I went to high school locally here in Toledo and uh, after which, uh, went into the army for a couple of years. Yeah, I did work, uh, um, weekends and what have you prior to that as a cleanup boy and so on. Uh, army for two years, uh, 15 months or so in Germany. I got out early to go to the university of Toledo, uh, worked on a business degree and graduated in, uh, two years and nine months. And during that period, got married to Maryland and, uh, started a family. Um, prior to the family, went to work for a pharmaceutical company, uh, spent about three and a half years, uh, selling to doctors, pharmacies, and, uh, hospitals, as opposed to being a drug dealer on the corner. <laughs> uh, following that, went to work for Toledo Scale in the marketing department, um, uh, promoting, uh, initially, uh, What's the difference between a Toledo scale and a competitor scale? And I uh, got to write some documents and uh, develop some uh, procedures as to how to combat sales uh, of competitors and so on. Following that, went uh, to a territory in uh, Youngstown, Ohio, as a sales rep there, calling on uh, an industry and uh, selling the industrial side of the scale uh, business um, on commission. Toledo Scale went on strike for six months. Mm. And so we decided now's a good time to leave Youngstown and come back to Toledo. At which point, uh, Marilyn, my wife, got invited to join Service Spring. Her dad had started the business, Clarence Weigel, and uh, he needed an accountant, and she was a good one. So she started as an accountant and uh, took care of the books and what have you. I was invited in probably within the next six months as a starter. Come on in and do something. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that is... Paint something. Paint something. something yeah. Drill something. Make a spring. Do something. And so uh, that's the background leading up to getting involved. Mm, that's awesome. Um so how and why 
did you get started? Why did you decide to accept the kind of you know position at Service Spring and and work in, in general? Well, I saw a lot of opportunities at that time. There were probably eight employees total, uh, two manual machines and one oven, and that was it. And uh, they had no marketing, they had no catalog, they had no way other than word of mouth to get to uh, potential customers. The customers were all uh, garage door dealers at that time. And so I helped, uh, because of a marketing experience, to put a catalog together, get it distributed, call on people. They didn't have any sales force, of course. Yeah. So I got to do a lot of different things. and. Uh, even build machines, uh, run machines, make springs, paint them. Um, a variety of uh, hats were yeah. worn. Yeah. So you just thought it was more interesting, um, like an interesting opportunity to go and kind of learn a bunch of different stuff. and That uh, for sure, and uh, an opportunity to make some money, yeah. a salary, totally. put some food on the table. Yeah. And um, at that point... Um, we had two kids, Mike and, and Tom, and uh, your dad, Mike, and uh, so there are a lot of opportunities there. It was, yeah. a, it was a company that was quite small, hmm. and despite the fact that it had been operational for about 10 years at that point, and uh, so we were growing, we we're in a rented building, which was about ready to fall down. And so we looked down the road and said, let's buy some property, let's build a new building mm -hmm. and let's get this thing going. When did you become uh, kind of CEO or president and take over? How did that transition <laughs> period happen? Being a, a small company, we didn't have a lot of uh, what would you call it, um, titles. Uh, you did a lot of different things. So to yeah. call yourself this or call yourself that didn't Executive really uh, make much. president of uh, <laughs> <laughs> manufacturing. President of cleaning up the latrine or whatever. <laughs> uh, titles weren't a, an issue. Uh, you just, you worked out whatever had to be done. And um, your dad, I think, was the first real president and he'd been with the company for a number of years he'd worked through the summers and so on and then he, as he got involved and brought uh, technology to the company um he was made president i'm not sure of the date or time probably in the 80s maybe and at that point i said well i'm no longer the president so i'll be, I'll be the ceo yeah but titles were never important i had a business card that had Nothing out of but my name. Yeah, it wasn't important to me to have mm. uh, a title per se. And how long were you? Um, I mean, kind of acting CEO for. I mean, how long did you really <laughs> do that? And and how many people did it start with? You said you kind of came in at eight when you kind of handed it over to. Probably, um, as far as act, acting CEO, maybe 10, 12 years. And uh, we went from, like I said, eight people, perhaps to 30 at the time that we turned it over to your dad. And um, he, of course, grew it uh, dramatically. And as we uh, retired, Marilyn and I, um, he was uh, able to... Um, 
you're through a tornado and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah uh little humor in that but uh, i don't know if i can yeah i mean absolutely yeah you, you can uh hey <laughs> when the tornado went through was i think it was two o'clock in the morning your dad called me mike and he said uh Hey, Dad, you remember those two shitty buildings you sold me? They're gone. (laughs) (laughs) You may have to cut that out, but in any event, that was was kind of a humorous event uh, that happened after retirement. But in any event, uh, uh, your dad did a a wonderful job of expanding and growing and uh, being into technology such as he was. I think he majored in... uh, um computer science yeah yeah no that's that's really good do you do you remember how big from a revenue standpoint you guys were able to grow the company to no um it's been 50 years now you know yeah exactly <laughs> it's funny the things you remember because you remember the people yeah and all these stories and everything but the numbers as far as yeah the numbers kind really of escape you uh escape you it's uh i can't tell you I knew that we grew at a good rate. Um, you know, you could probably say 10, 12% a year. And the business back then was very cyclical. It was strong in the winter months with the cold and the garage operating, garage, garage doors operating a lot more. Springs were breaking more. And so we were very busy in the winter months. Plus, we had at that time archaic methods of getting the springs made, getting them out the door. It took a long time. Whereas now you're doing it in a matter of hours in the yeah. same day. We couldn't do that then. It was always the next day or longer. It's we might get 10 days crazy. behind sometimes in yeah. the winter. And uh, so technology has helped a great deal to improve on that. And what, your dad what, was instrumental in all of it. What do you think were some of the greatest um, you know, accomplishments while you were at SSC? Some of the things that you look back on that you were like, wow. This was, this was pretty cool. Well, at the time, we thought we were technologically moving along when we got a fax machine, which allowed our customers to fax They're stuff They're still doing to fax today. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had an 800 number. We were the first one in our industry to do that, so the customer could call us on our nickel. And uh, that helped a lot. Uh, we offered, a, at that time, a, a 5% discount if they pay in 10 days. I don't know if that's still in place or it not. It is. For better or for worse, it is. <laughs> uh, that seemed to keep the keep the uh, cash flow going. That helped that. Um, we built some changes in the plant. Uh, we went from uh, having uh, reels sitting on the floor, eating up a lot of floor space, to going to uh, what I would call a uh, drawer type of setup where you could load the, the wire on the floor, put it up in a elevated uh, drawer holder, yeah. Yeah. and uh, that freed up a lot of floor space, speeded was it, things was it up. Your idea to come up with some of those, or I copied it actually. I've okay. seen it done somewhere else. Oh, okay, and uh, but we improved on it, of course. That's good. <laughs> hey, so tell me about. I, I hear a lot of different stories and uh, you know I, I think it gets lost sometimes as far as what Clarence Vigel actually did with some of the competition like I you know here he was involved in starting Penn Central Springs 
Uh, I think there's another company called like Class City Springs, and he started up some of these other companies. Do you remember some of the other competition that he started up? Um, uh, he had a hand in starting Napoleon Spring. Uh, he and his brother were involved in that, along with, uh, I think it was just the two of them. And they had a, uh, a gentleman that was uh, kind of the clerk in the office and so on, and that clerk in the office Ed Overhouse eventually owned the business. Mm. Clarence Weigel stepped aside. His brother Ed sold out. Um, in case of Clarence and uh, arriving finally at Service Spring, uh, he had no source of um, investors that he could go to. Mm. Uh, banks wouldn't touch it because it was too, you know, Shaky. Risky. No, yeah. you know, no background, no, uh, no history. So he would uh, start up other companies for uh, uh, some kind of fee, build the machinery for them, set them up, put them in business, get a get a fee for it. And he did that with Penn Central. He did that with uh, 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 not Glass City Spring, but uh, a company down in uh, Florida. Funny story there. Um, but mostly to raise revenue, and then he would sell them. Then when Marilyn and I got involved, we said, hold it. <laughs> We're giving away the store here. <laughs> Excuse me. So we stopped doing that. Mm -hmm. uh, we did it with Overhead Door Company. Uh, they were buying their springs from a company in Indiana. I can't think of the name of it now. It doesn't matter. And um, so we showed them how to make their own springs and built equipment for them and got them started. And he would actually build all the equipment himself? Yeah, I helped him. Um, in some cases, in fact, one plant up in uh, Toronto, uh, overhead door in Toronto, I went up there and helped them get it started and, and so forth. Wow. So yeah, we, we worked side by side building uh, mandrel machines and That's getting the, the bits and pieces for the ovens and so on. And um, then eventually, um, we got into a, an automatic machine. Mm. Um, he had found one somewhere. We took it all apart, put it together to suit our needs, and started rolling long springs automatically, cutting them up and so on to, to the customer specification. So that was a upgrade technologically mm. for uh, the young company. <laughs> so you eventually had to put the kibosh to this after, you know, you're seeing like, man, our competition is getting all of this amazing equipment. He better have gotten a pretty dang good fee for some of those things, huh? <laughs> well, I don't know if he did or not. He's a pretty generous guy, Clarence Weigel, yeah. and uh, he gave a lot of stuff away and, and uh, didn't get compensated for it, which is mm -hmm. fine. Uh, but that's the way he operated, and I was just thinking he was a you know, Christian guy. Yeah. And if he could help, he would. Wow. Do you do you remember how many businesses, roughly, he started? Um, and he did more than just spring stuff as well, right? I mean, didn't he also, didn't you guys get involved in roll forming? and? Um... Yeah, that was uh, something that I brought, brought up because I thought we ought to get into uh, rolling steel doors and making the slats for them, and so uh, we got a couple of role formers and uh, started to go in that direction. And we made the bottom brackets to go on rolling steel doors, and uh, we were 
putting um, cones in the end of the machines by hand. Yeah. Put the uh, spring in a vise and take a yeah. crank them in one by one. And so uh, I thought it's got to be a better way. So I developed a machine to screw them in from either end, hold the spring at the same time. And little by little, with improvements, it's mm -hmm. come a long way. And I'm sure the ones you're using now are yeah. a lot more sophisticated. But that was a step up again. We were always looking for ways of making things easier to do, whether it was loading wire or screwing in the cones. Mm -hmm. And then when your son got involved and the volume was there, we went to automatic uh, ovens where you could, uh, continuous ovens, put the spring in at one end, Stress will leave it through the oven and out the other end in 30 wow. minutes or whatever it is. Whereas it took us uh, all day. We'd put a load of springs on a cart, a couple thousand pounds at noon, put them in the oven, and 4.30 or so, they'd come out. Wow. And you'd hustle through these hot springs, trying to get them ready to put them in the trucks and get them out the door. Man. So a lot of improvements have come. <laughs> How long did it take um, you and Clarence Weigel to actually uh, create some of the, uh, to build some of these machines to sell to obviously their competitors now, but just to sell them at the time? How long did it take you guys to build like a, a machine, a, a mandrel or? We got pretty good at building them. Um, there was standard dimensions. They're all the same. Um, you'd have a, you know, a five horse three-phase motor, we'd have an electric brake on it, we'd have some uh, switches, uh, mandrels, we would order the specific mandrels of different sizes from a supplier. Mm -hmm. We basically pipe, uh, we'd take the pipe and put a square drive end on one end and uh, perhaps one on the other end. And so they were made in-house, Hour-wise, I, I I can't tell you. It took you know three four days maybe to that's incredible. Manual. Let it would be three to four days. We need to bring you back in and start building some machines for us. Uh, well, you're a lot more sophisticated now, so I'm sure that has something to do with it. We also used truck transmissions to <laughs> give oh, us wow. different speeds. You know, if you wanted to, if you had a big wire and you want to wind it slow, put it in first gear. It was a small wire you can put it in third gear. So the operators knew which yeah. gear to put it in depending on the size of the wire. That's, that's cool. And um, what, what about extension springs? Do you guys um, do much with extension springs? Yeah, we all? did. Um, not a lot, but we did uh, roll them. And they were uh, a bit of a headache trying to get the right tension. Mm -hmm. So we had a, a testing machine that would... We had a scale set up and Toledo we do 2542, yeah, Toledo scale. Yeah. And uh, we were able to test them to see if they um, were 130 pounder, were they within 10% yeah. or 5%? Mm -hmm. And then uh, we had to hand dip them. We didn't have any uh, spray equipment or, oh, or sure. uh, powder coating or what have you. Mm -hmm. So that could get exciting. <clears throat> if you drop the spring at the wrong time, you get a bath of black paint. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of things were done differently. Cool. The cones that we had back in the day were sand cast, and so when we got them, we had to drill them for the uh, winding bars. You had to drill them for the set screws, uh, 
and put in the threads for the set screws, make sure that the hole through the middle was an inch so you could get it on the shaft. That's incredible. And there's only right hand and left hand. Yeah. There's no combination. So yeah. he painted the reds what? and the blacks and so wow. you could designate what was what. The castings are also sand cast here locally. We got them in White House, as a matter of fact, really? where you live. And uh, they had to be, again, cleaned up and uh, drilled and tapped and so on. Wow. Really? So now they're all die cast stuff. And yeah. it's just so much quicker. What, if you would have stayed at the company another, you know, another 10 years, what would, what would you have done next? What would have been the next project that you would have said hey this is this is really interesting i want to i want to see this come to fruition well your dad had a, di a different vision and one of the things that i was trying to do was uh do those slats for the rolling steel doors and so we hadn't quite figured out yet how to roll painted slat material because that was necessary to uh, most people didn't want to just plain galvanize they wanted some kind of paint on it so yeah. they could paint it mm. to match the building. Uh, some of the slats were insulated. We hadn't learned how to do that yet. Mm. And I thought at some point we're making everything else. The bottom bar, uh, we were getting the slides that go on the side that I can't remember the name of. Mm -hmm. um, we're making the springs, you know, why not go for the whole door? Yeah. And it was an industry that we would not compete directly with the Wayne doors necessarily or the big boys, but there was a market for rolling steel doors. Mm -hmm. One of the other things that over the years, uh, we kept adding things to our product line. You know, we, yeah. we always had rollers and what have you. But then I, I looked at um, trailer doors, for example. Mm. Here's another opportunity. Nobody else is doing it. Why don't we, yeah. go, our dealers can do this. Yeah. And uh, as you see with a lot of dealers, they're into all kinds of stuff, windows, doors, passage doors, and probably other things I'm not even aware of. Um, hmm. So there's, there's opportunities to help them go in different directions if you can be a supplier yeah. and back it up. Totally. Yep, I, I think there's a ton of strategies like that that still make a ton of sense that, mm -hmm. that we're looking at. We got into the um, drain cleaning business that way. We looked at it as, well, it's a big spring. We can, we can make those. Totally. A long spring, and so we had an opportunity to buy a small company and get into that yeah. market, backed into it, sort of. And uh, now you've made something out of it, which yeah. is great. <laughs> For sure. So what would you say is um, the hardest thing about being a CEO or, you know, somebody running, you know, the company, you know, family-owned business? What do you think were some of the most difficult things, some of the most challenging things? I think um, being the boss or CEO or, or owner, uh, most of the issues were with the people, trying to get good people yeah. on board to stay on board and uh, if you need a new HR person tomorrow, where uh, <laughs> you come up yeah. with somebody. And so those kinds of issues were probably the most complex. Customers were easy, I always thought. As long as we kept the customer happy and worked hard to uh, service them, 
They were always glad to see you, always glad to talk to you. But uh, the people in the building, uh, you had to handle differently and work harder to get good folks. And uh, I've heard some just encouraging news. I talked to uh, Tom yeah. Martin. Very enthusiastic about things that are happening and uh, people moving up in the yeah. organization, which is great. Totally. Because other people see that and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it makes your whole operation, I think, uh, totally. more legitimate, more likable. Uh, totally. More possibilities. Yeah. And people need to have that kind of hope all the time. Yeah. The opportunity to progress and advance mm -hmm. and... Um, yeah, and, and I, I think we have a lot of stories like that at the company now, which is fantastic. I mean, there's so many people, um, I mean, there's people who are running service centers as a service center manager, the highest level who started out on the shop floor, you know, territory managers running this, a uh, person in charge of our maintenance, uh, started out on the shop floor. I mean, there's so many different people who've started, you know, doing one thing and have really progressed and advanced. And I, that to me is just really cool to see. Yeah. But it gives meaning to their life, and uh, mm -hmm. I think other people see it, and they see opportunity. Yeah, you know? totally. So. What would you say are uh, just, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the things that you were, like, most proud of, but what about some of the biggest challenges while running SSC? What, were you, what do you think <clears> was the most challenging part of running SSC? Well, we went through some uh, uh, stuff that you're going through right now where you couldn't find people. Uh, the economy was such you couldn't find people. Uh, we had uh, periods of high inflation. Mm. And so what do you do about that? How do you handle it? How do you pass it on? Um, surcharges, whatever. Uh, went through things like that. Uh, we went through uh, fuel shortages uh, where if you were getting, uh, you were running propane, which we were at one time for our ovens and what have you. You couldn't get natural gas. Nobody could. Mm. Um, then we had the uh, double nickel on the highways. That was when they were trying to slow down the consumption of gasoline. Oh, okay. Everything was 55 miles an hour. Of course, that screwed up uh, <laughs> deliveries and uh, mm. um, oh, I see. receiving. Uh, oh, gosh. All the stuff that you're going through right now. Interesting. With the... Uh, the ports being clogged and... The trucking driver, you know, truck driver shortages. Yeah, all of that stuff has happened before. Blizzards and, you know, you go through a lot of things that yeah. you don't anticipate right. necessarily. But you have to deal with them anyway, because here it is. Totally. Were there times where you guys um, were not able to make payroll at all or like financial challenges where you were close um, to not being able to make it? Yeah, we had financial challenges early on before I was even involved the banks would uh, want to see your receivables before they would lend you any money mm. and they would hold the receivables as collateral mm. they had a name for this and I forgot what it is um, when uh, Marilyn and I got involved we were stable enough that we could make payroll we had some debt um, we also had stockholders. It was another way of mm. Clarence Viles raising some money. He would say, you know, you give me $10,000 and 
I'll give you so many shares of stock mm. plus this kind of a dividend. <clears throat> For example, they might uh, give somebody a, a penny a pound on every pound of wire that went out the door so-and-so would get a penny of the whatever you charge for yeah so there's some people did very well that's interesting and so uh we said well we gotta do something about these stockholders so we bought them out yeah got rid of them so that helped strengthen our financial position um it was a little more hard to uh make payroll and have any kind of real balance during the summer months, because it slowed down dramatically. Uh, we weren't selling manufacturers, which would be stronger in, in the summer months. So we had to keep everybody busy, keep everybody on the payroll. So it was a little bit of a strain there, but we always managed. We never hmm. shorted anybody, never let anybody go, never laid anybody off, yeah. ever. In 40-some years. Mm -hmm. So yeah. we're uh, proud of that. Keep shine up the machinery, clean the floors, paint this, paint that, you know, keep busy. Wow. So, uh, okay. So, um, what were, what were some, what were some great memories that you had from SSE or fun memories just in general that you could think of maybe any quirky stories or something? Uh, that one that comes to mind is, um, when we got our first computer, which I think was a radio shack version that your dad brought in we started messing with that you know trying to get find ways to use utilize it and so on anyway i was sitting at a desk and uh saturday morning uh clarence Weigel, the founder uh would come in on saturdays and mess around he might be building something or uh, whatever and he came and he found a computer sitting in the office he turned it on and it said password, and he looked at that, <laughs> turned it off. That was, <laughs> that was the last time he messed with uh, technology. And although he was always interested in the latest cameras and blah, 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 blah. So, but that was kind of a cute story. Um, so, you know, what do you believe while you were, either while you were running the business or just in general, what do you believe are some of your top most successful habits, things that you are, Things that have helped make you successful or helped you to be productive and efficient? Um, I think for any person, not only myself, you have to be a self-starter. You gotta be able to get out of bed in the morning and get going and be where you're supposed to be at the time you're supposed to be there. Um, and that takes a lot of self-discipline. And uh, some people have it, some people don't. Some can't find the door, you know, to <laughs> get out of the house. Um, so self-discipline is important. And I think you learn that as a kid, uh, your family, uh, how they operate, your parents, and how they bring you up. Uh, you know, when you come home, you change your clothes, and uh, you have yeah. all these rules and regulations. Yeah. If you start with a young you know, young kid and bring them along, it sticks with them the rest of their life. Yeah. Uh -huh. uh, one of your questions I think you're going to ask sooner or later is, have I read any books about leadership? Yeah. And the answer is no. Um, I read one book recently. I've read a lot of books, but not about leadership. Mm -hmm. But I read a book by... Um, baseball player mm -hmm. Cal Ripken 
And he played for the Baltimore Orioles, shortstop, third base. But his uh, baseball claim was he played over 2,600 games in a row without missing a game. Whether he was hurt, sick, or whatever, he showed up every game. It's powerful. And the name of the book that he had written was Show Up. Yeah. And... Uh, that's so important. It's not just showing up for your job, but showing up in so many other things. If you tell somebody you're going to do something, do it. You tell somebody you're going to call them back this afternoon, do it. Mm. No matter if you're going to stay there all night. Yeah. Get, do what you're going to say you do. Mm. People are impressed by what you do, not what you say. And... Uh, you I don't, think, if you don't let your customer down, they have yeah. a lot of confidence in you, and that's important. I think Dad always said that was one of his greatest takeaways from you and, you know, just um, some of the wisdom and leadership that he received from you was that your your actions are more powerful than your words. Mm-hmm. And um, to do a little bit yet less of this mm-hmm. and a little bit more of doing, and he yeah. told me that all the time. That's... Uh, that's particularly true of your customers. Um, anytime, if you've been out on the field yourself, I'm sure you have, and you call on a customer, they're happy to see you. Yeah. You're not just another insurance salesman. You're yeah. somebody that can help them, totally. has helped them. Yes. Yeah. Been a good supplier. And uh, you work hard no matter if they mm. screw up or you screw up. You work at That's... getting it resolved quickly. I think another question, just along the lines of top most successful habits, just to get even a little bit more granular, is, um, you know, how many hours of sleep do you get on average, and um, how many out? What you know, when you were working full time, how many hours were you working a week as well? I mean, did you did you keep track last of night? I think I slept four hours because I kept waking up. But thanks for about this. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, normally um, I would get. Uh, Eight hours, close. I seem to need eight. Eight. Myself. Some people get less. Some people require more. Uh, working, uh, always there at eight o'clock. And never left before five. <clears throat> and that was, to me, important to uh, set, you know, example. If the yard needed to be snow plowed, I'd get there at four in the morning and do the snowplow before we hired Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> he got that responsibility. Yeah. So, um, and in the plant, I would do anything uh, that needed to be done, whether, whether it was building a machine, rolling springs, if we were short help. Mm. I remember your dad and I were out rolling springs together on an automatic, trying to see how much we could get done. Oh, that's cool. It was kind of a goal, you know, just as fast as we could all day long. I forget what the number is, but it was, it's nothing like what you're getting now. But at that time, it was, uh, we were proud of what we accomplished in a a shift. Okay. So, you know, another, you know, another interesting thought is life principles. You know, what, what are some, you know, do you have life principles that you live by and what are some of those life principles? You talked a little bit about it from a work perspective and, and I think that's good. 
Is there anything else, other life principles that you that you live by? Um, as I get older, I realize I don't have a whole lot more time. The time that you had is behind you. The time in front of you, you don't know. And it could be all over tomorrow. So you think about things like that. Anyway, from a principle standpoint, um, treat everybody fairly. Try to control your prejudices, whatever they are, whether it's you don't like cabbage or you don't like somebody that's got a tattoo or whatever it might be. Um, the real uh, truth about the people is in them and you got to get to know them. Mm. You can't just look at the cover and say, uh -huh, I know who this person is. Because as I found that that's not happened. You misjudge people if you do that. And I've seen that with uh, Clarence Weigel and I, we walked into a Pontiac dealership. He wanted to buy a new Pontiac. He had his coveralls out and I had my dirty work clothes on and salesman never came near us. So we walked out the door and he bought his Pontiac somewhere else. And uh, so we all make, uh, wow. Judgment sometimes for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Man, what about regrets from the past? Do you have any regrets at all? Uh, Business-wise, no. Uh, I felt that uh, I was very fortunate to end up at Service Spring to have the opportunity uh, to experience all of the experiences, to do all of the different things. I really have no uh, regrets um, that I can point to. We're very fortunate. Wow. The company did very well. What about anything not business-related? Are there any regrets not business-related that you have at all? You know, I, as I said, I had a fortunate life. I was able to do all the things I wanted to do, Maryland as well. You know, we got to travel around the world. We got to play with all the toys that there are. Yeah. Um, we got to do a lot of that stuff together as husband and wife. Super blessed. Um, is there anything that I can say, gee, I wish I would have done that, or that that was on my bucket list and didn't get yeah. to do it? Yeah. Uh, that's, that's I'm perfectly content at the moment. So. Oh, that is incredible. Well, that is what I want to try and <laughs> that's what I want to try and get to. So that's that's awesome. But Grandpa, appreciate you being on the podcast today. Well, thank, thank you. you very much for inviting me. Well, hopefully you guys found value in today's episode. Um, probably my number one takeaway was uh, to do what you say you are going to do and to live and be someone um, with integrity. I just thought that was very powerful and simple yet powerful. 
Uh, if you guys found value in today's episode, make sure you hit that like and subscribe button. And just want to say thanks again for being a part of our leadership network and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.